And so I said, oh, I said, well, let me transfer you back over. So I transfer her back and she's talking. She gets the same male dispatcher. He's very good with her, very patient. And all of a sudden she gets really frustrated. And she says, oh, she goes, don't you people have maps? From the mountains to the east, to the caves to the west, you're listening to The Real WTH Show. Fresh cut grass, dirt, and love. The quality, consistency, and the price. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 111 of the Real WTH Show. I am Tommy, and I am sitting here with a man that just gave himself a bunch of different facial features. Wilson. I did. Yeah. Zoom, yeah. zoom filters are funny. I took a picture of a few of those. Wilson had some blue eyebrows. Those yeah. are actually uh, with no filter. <laughs> Hashtag yeah, no, no filter. filter. Yeah. yeah, that's how he rolls all the time. He likes to have that Antifa look when he's not at work. The the different multicolored hair and the yeah. I live in my mom's basement type thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, how was your week, dude? It was good. You get any fishing in? No. Yeah. Went shooting a little bit. Ooh. Oh, with yeah. the uh, the new relic weaponry that you've just obtained? No, no, no. I just uh, 22. Oh, okay. Just, just that. Yeah. yeah. You got some cool stuff up there. Lots of history going on in the Wilson homestead with the yeah. uh, the weapons. Not a whole lot's happened out here, man. West Virginia is doing West Virginia things. It is cold. It's cold and it snowed yesterday, which I'm like, dude, are we serious right now? Like, I'm done with it. And then like earlier in the week, it was like 70. Then it went to 50, 40, 30. It was snow. It was 80 yesterday. Wow. See, that's just, it's, it's weird because we were hit. Well, what was it? Was it Texas? It was Texas. And then it was like, I think New Orleans got hit with like a tornado and everything. It was like that storm cell, like awakened a beast or something. And then gave us like a cold front all of a sudden. I woke up with snow yesterday. Couldn't take out that Chevy truck though. Okay, dude, let's talk about that. So I posted about it on our, I believe our regular or my personal Facebook feed, but that video of that tornado hitting that truck, mind you, I mean, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but in the movie Twister, that truck was also red. Yeah. I'm just saying. It might have been a Chevy as well. Well, Bill Paxton could have been in it. He might still be alive. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, and um, no, you see the truck spinning, then it flips it on its side. I'm like, okay, well, also then it falls down. And there's another, the car filming is like driving towards it. And then the truck falls yeah, down. That's on, what I was wondering the whole time. I'm like, why are these idiots driving towards the tornado? Were they storm chasers or something? Maybe that was Helen Hunt. Maybe, maybe it was. You know, or Philip Seymour Hoffman. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, wow. Yeah, dude, that's weird. So many people are dying. Yeah, like left and right. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. Um, but then the truck drives away. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, guess I'm coming to work. Crap. You know, <laughs> he just drives See you off. Guys later. 
like a boss. I think my post said something like, first thing, what vehicle was that? I got to buy one. And two, why is nobody talking about that this guy just drove off? And apparently he was a 16 year old kid. Really? Yeah. Or he was a teenager. I don't know if he's 16. Either he was 16 or 19. But I'm like, man, that's crazy. I mean, could you imagine like, you know, it's prom night, you know, you're, you're a little on the Husky side, you know, like myself, this is say it was me. Hey ladies, remember that video of the truck that drove off at the tornado? That was me. Yeah. And like, oh my gosh, we're taking you. We're going to prom. You're going to go out like five of us. Yeah. You know, dude, he's got to get girls all of them for that. Good job, sir. Or guys. I mean, I don't judge. I don't judge. Judge free zone or they, um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah dude that was that was a crazy video i'm so glad you saw that too but um wilson people want to know oh yeah speaking of uh walkman's beers and cheers you right. probably take an hour for it to play anyways <laughs> yeah my internet sucks wait you have a walkman because you always usually when you say speaking of you usually look at something in your room you have a walkman near you well i looked and i have this old cd player like like stereo cd player oh as you're playing that Elton john yesterday yeah and um i wanted to go more old school so i thought of walkman okay or Discman would be more appropriate no no i want walkman that's the tape one right yeah oh okay i got yeah, you yeah yeah you're wilson sent me a video yesterday so Dude, I found some old CDs and he, and it was like going through like his collection of like, we all had like the binder full of CDs in our car when we were young. Well, I He's got it sitting up. right here. And all of a sudden, an hour later, he sends one back to me and I think he's playing Elton John or something. It's like blinded by the light. <laughs> Whatever. He, he has this most serious look on his face like, oh, yeah. Mm. I'm like, Jesus, dude. It's good stuff though. I miss, I'm actually miss physical CDs because um, I currently don't have uh, my subscription to Spotify or Apple podcast or sorry, Apple, Apple music. music. Um, I, I just have my, uh, you know, my, hey, if you have Verizon, depending on what plan you have, it might be free. I might've used it. Uh, no, my, cause my Apple music is free forever. Mine was free for a year. Oh, I just, it just got um you did just bump it up to the next plan up and you'll get it free forever. I kind of like Spotify's, uh, their format better. They recommend uh, better music that I haven't heard of before, like newer bands that I would never, never hear of based off what I listen to than Apple. Like, and plus Apple put like, it's all new in metal, Bruce Springsteen. I'm all, no, definitely not. And then I also goes classic rock corn. I'm like, what? It's definitely classic by now. Well, it's yeah. classic, but it's not classic by genre. It's like classic new metal or whatever. But Spotify yeah, never but did that to me. I ended up finding three CDs of my buddy from uh, Oregon, his three different bands he was in when we were growing up. Okay. Disciple? No, not that oh, one. Oh, no, not that guy. one? Uh, Cutlass? No. Different guy. Gosh, dang it. Yeah. This, these are these are like you know like your bands you know you oh, guys, oh except for bands. except for like uh what was the one fair struggle nope the other one divine romance yeah because you guys actually like went and toured i mean fair struggle oh, eh, going to go, not really going to la and playing asho isn't tour 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I saw those and I took a picture of it and I sent it to him. He's like, dude, can you burn me some copies of that? That's said, so funny in the same way. I said, I'm... if I can find a disk drive, but you... <laughs> computers don't come with that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll just copy them and email them to you. He goes, oh yeah, good call. Do yeah. that. <laughs> dude, if, if it's good stuff, dude, ask him if we could showcase some of that stuff on here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll be more than happy. I well, want to do bands that. aren't even together anymore. So there's, there's no royalties. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Gonna, Play it everywhere. Do it. And yeah. You don't even say anything. Let them find out. Say, By the way, you were featured on episode 100 and whatever. One, one, one. And then he, people are going to be like wanting to know like, oh my gosh, who's that band? And also they're going to go big. Yeah. And I'm still going to be sitting here podcasting not actually living my dream of being a professional musician wow 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 so anyways what are you drinking um not drinking Yesterday. this morning because it's early morning for you well it's like two o'clock now yeah. for me but uh this is one of those um craft beer or craft brewery not craft breweries uh this is by new belgium and this is one of their voodoo ranger line and this is called Experimental IPA. Don't know why it's called that. Don't know what it has in it because they do a very bad job of describing. Maybe it says on the box, but this is one of those ones that came in like a, a pack. Uh, pack. But this one was all Voodoo Ranger. Yeah. This pack. So, And they have like that same character on all their stuff, that like skeleton looking military dude. Yeah. Or ranger dude. Ranger dude. Yeah. Um. But no, it's a good like regular IPA. Um, but it's experimental it's, though. It is, but uh, I like it. It's you know for twenty no, twenty nine bucks for twenty four, not not a bad deal. Yeah. So, it's I'd probably give this one a four. Four. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's got a good hoppy flavor to it. If you like that's that kind of thing. That's the uh, highest rating one out, out of the pack so far. I think the last two. Oh, this is three... a different pack. Oh, okay. Because the last yeah. two were 3.75. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. New Belgium IPA. Yeah. So, cool. And, of course, I'm boring. And, drinking and my I water. Got, I got some uh, tangerine liquid IV as well. Ooh, I never. You mentioned liquid IV before. Is that a sparkling water or is it? What else? What is it? No, it's just like a powder mix. You, where do you, you get know, that? Little, I got a Costco, Sam's Club, something. Mm. Send me a picture but, that looks like. I want to see if I can find it out here. Um, one of the guys I work with, his buddy in high school is the one who started Liquid IV. Oh, really? And you want to know why they started it? Why? Because they partied a lot and they were hungover. So it's like Pedialyte. Like, it's basically Pedialyte, and oh. they put it in powder form. And he's like a millionaire off it now. Wow, we should get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what else were you experimenting with, with powder in high school or college yeah and you're like hey man it's, it's powder pd light man uh today's cheers you know a lot LACHP. of chp what no? you didn't see that story no i didn't hear what you said lachp no but you just made me feel like crap <laughs> why because i don't have that story pulled up <laughs> Oh, I'll just mention it. They okay. basically did the same thing that that Florida trooper did. Two of them. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, the wrong way driver. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, maybe we'll, I'll get more information on that. And then we can talk about that next show too. We, you, you kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the show that a lot of people are dying mm-hmm. and it's just kind of crazy. Um, but there's You're very going to cry about the food fighters guy. No, I'm huh? not going to cry. Just listen. Okay. You need to listen. I don't, I don't cry, dude. I'm, I'm stoic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's been very few like uh, celebrity uh, deaths that have actually like bummed me out. Robin Williams was one because I actually like Robin Williams. Yeah. When it comes to musicians, uh, the first one was Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. Met him multiple times. Super nice guy. It just And the way that he died, I mean, him and Robin Williams both died suicide is broke my heart and just such a super talented guy. Joey Jordison from Slipknot uh, met him as well. Also very nice guy you know one of my drumming idols when it comes to heavy metal and then yesterday taylor hawkins from foo fighters died and i'm like man if you ever watch video of that dude playing he's always smiling just a happy dude that band's kind of funny their interviews they're always funny they're goofy um but he was 50 years old and they found him dead in his hotel room in uh bogota which i think is in uh venezuela colombia yeah Yeah. which immediately when i heard that i'm like okay wait a second colombia what is Columbia known for besides their mountains? Um, the real WTH show plays there a lot. <laughs> we, we will now. Um, but apparently uh, it just came out that he had uh, 10 different substances in his system, but that's coming from the Colombian government. Um, and I don't know a whole lot about um, medicinals and stuff, but it says among the drugs found by a urine toxicological, toxicological test. Am I saying that right? Toxicology test performed by officials were marijuana, opioids, tricyclic antidepressants, and benzo- benzodiazepines, which benzos. Um, but I mean the marijuana. But then again, we were talking uh, with Scott Brown last episode, and everything is it's basically laced with, with fentanyl. fentanyl now. There's no such thing as a safe drug, no. and it breaks my heart because you know, as far as like being an antidepressant stuff, I understand that because for a while I was because I was, de- you know, depressed and everything. And you hear about like Heath Ledger, stuff like that. You know, these things are supposed to be moderated. Any You could OD on anything if you really think about it. You could, there's people that OD on water because they drink too much water. Yeah, so remember when that, the Nintendo Wii came out? Yep. Hold your the Wii radio for the station. Wii. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then you, you, and they tell you, don't mix certain things with other things because, you know, like, a lot of times on your medicines, it says don't drink with alcohol or don't take with alcohol. And it just breaks my heart that I don't know if, if he was uh, careless about it or if uh, he was actually that depressed or whatever, or if he just had a problem. I don't know. But either way, I mean, we can look past that for a second and just think that this guy was a talented drummer. He had a huge impact on every genre of music. I mean, I've seen pictures of him with rappers, country artists, uh, blues gu- guitarists. He used to be Alanis Morissette's drummer. You know, he, he this guy has been around and, and you know, he's, I, I watched a bunch of interviews with him. He just seemed like just a super nice guy to his fans and everything. And it breaks my heart. And it also still baffles me that people are still dying of drugs. Granted, I've never had a drug addiction. So I don't, I can only imagine how hard that would be to get hooked onto something and not be able to get off of it. It just breaks my heart. And that, and like I said, a couple episodes ago when we're talking about the opioids and stuff that right there is a thing that is scaring me the most out of all these because that's like being prescribed left and right and they'll get you hooked on it 
you know, your doctor was trying to do it to you, Wilson. Do you want to pay medicine? You're like, no, I'll live. I'll take Advil because all it takes is, you know, they don't have a game plan to get you off of it. Oh, the game plan. Oh, go to a street pharmaceutical. Cause we're going to, we're, we're not going to uh, rewrite you your prescription anymore. And then you're, you're detoxing and relapsing and everything. It's just, it's not pretty. And yeah. just breaks my heart, you know? And I mean, I, I take everything I see on the news, you know, with a grain of salt, especially when it comes from Columbia, but um, this is what they're saying at this time, but regardless, he, he died at the age of 50, which is still super young. And he was, was one of my, you know, one of the, I was telling, telling my wife the other day, he's one of the drummers, one of the few drummers in my life that I idolized and never got to meet. So I'm like, dang it. I lost that one. And of course, Phil Collins is the other, and he doesn't look too good either, you know, but he's just getting old. But, you know, I'm like, man, I wish I could just pick this dude's brain with just music and drums in general. But uh, that's who I have going out today for today's cheers. So we'll get the names of the two LACHP um, guys for next show. And then uh, so we'll, this cheers is to them and to Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins. Cheers. Cheers. So, Wilson. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped for today's uh, interview. I was, too. <laughs> it's so weird doing it like this, dude. Um so today we, we have a, a guest on, a 911 dispatcher with a Folsom Police Department, retired. Um, she's been with them for, what'd she say, 30-something years, 30 years? she 30, said 31. 31 years. Uh, you know what? 31 she years. Says, she says it in the interview. So. Yeah, I'm not going to say 30. That year, that, you know, that's a good year. You know, a lot of people don't have a job for a year. So, I'm, you know what? Yeah. We're giving her that year. Um, but yeah, she talks about everything to her worst call, funniest call um her favorite call um and then you know a little bit of behind the scenes stuff that um you don't really know a lot about uh and uh stallion just so you know she lets us know that firefighters do go get cats out of trees yeah <laughs> yes they do that's so funny but yeah and just you know she's very open about the the, the job and and what goes on behind the scenes and and what not to do there's a couple good uh uh personal security reports in there like you know what to do what not to do and there's good of, advice for uh like new officers too yeah and that one blew my mind i was like man i never even thought of doing that yeah you know i mean because i know i critique my own podcast so i'm like man why why don't why don't i i don't know why no one does that i mean, maybe they do we're gonna play you the uh the interview it went on for quite a while and we loved every minute of it and i'm hoping that some of the audio in there is clear because uh or all the audio is clear because there's a couple parts where it gets a little weird with my west virginia internet so if you do hear that i apologize that means i could not clean it up but that was my fault because you know i blame my wife she's in the she's in the other room playing grand theft auto she's owning some noobs i told her not to play and she's like no this is our interview with retired Folsom police department dispatcher elva Velasic. all right so um wilson you and i um i think for I think again, just like the last episode we did, the we we had on our whiteboard a list of people we wanted to talk to. Yeah, and then Scott Brown came up later on because we didn't really know about him till later. But I had on there like dispatchers, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're like, yeah, it's, that, that, that's cool. I'm, well, we don't know any. We don't know any. Yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> wait, I do though. I'm like, that's crazy because my my buddy John, I used to work with that mm -hmm. um, Frito Lay, his his wife worked at um i could say Folsom police department right 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And she was a dispatcher there and she recently retired. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to hop on that. And then it only <laughs> took me, I don't know, two years to do so <laughs> or, 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 or however long it was since you retired. But um, we are joined by, you know, with Elva Vlasic with uh, retired from the uh, Folsom police department. Welcome to the show, Elva. Thank you. So tell us a little bit um, about um, this is a, you know, Wilson and I, you know, we've been involved in various formats of law enforcement and everything. And the, you're, you're in the, the unseen part, the part that doesn't get a whole lot of recognition, but generally is, I would say the lifeline for a lot of people um, on both, both sides of it for the police department and for the people calling. So what, um, what made you want to hop into that field? You know, funny you should say that because in my 31 years in law enforcement, I have met one person who has actually said, I think I want to be a dispatcher. (laughs) Most, most everyone falls into this job because of some other reason, myself included. So May of 90 and my brother was going through the police academy. And he came to me one day and he says, hey, he says, they're looking for dispatchers, especially ones that can speak Spanish. It's, and it's crazy to think about it, but at the time I was working, you know, 40 hours a week, making a thousand dollars a month, you know, enough for my car payment and whatever. And he says, it's $1,300 a month. And I thought, wow, that's quite a raise, right? <laughs> I said, what the heck, you know, what do I got to lose? So I went over there, filled out my application and boy, has it changed since then, but it was basically... I filled out the application, the chief called me and, you know, he looked at me very sternly. I was 20 years old and he says, you're not going to fight with your brother, are you? (laughs) Oh, no, sir, I'm not. (laughs) And, and that was pretty much it, you know, been through the extensive background and I was hired and, and started the job. And it's one of those jobs that once it gets into your system, it's, that's kind of all she wrote. You know, I mean, and my brother and I lived in law enforcement for, you know, it was fun to get to know him in that respect, you know, and work with him that way. Um, he retired after 17 years uh, due to a back injury, but I continued on and, you know, moved around here and there. Three agencies, Folsom was the longest, spent 21 years there, but um, yeah, loved it. It was just, like I said, in the blood and just loved the job. Yeah, that's good. I know. Um you have, you have a voice of a dispatcher. <laughs> it's all, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like calm. It's like very calm. I'm like, okay. Cause I listen to, I mean, one of my guilty pleasures is true crime podcasts. And sometimes they'll play mm-hmm. um, dispatcher calls and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I could not stand one minute on that call for various reasons. One, the person's not like being quiet. They're screaming. I'm like, I can't make out mm-hmm. a word they're saying. And the mm-hmm. other time is, uh, you know, it's just like the level of sadness to the call. I'm like, I couldn't, cause I thought about it one time. I was like, eh, you know what? Cause I know like back when I lived in Roseville, Roseville PD was always hiring for me. Like, Maybe I'll do it. Yeah. Why not? Seems pretty easy. Right. Sit there. <laughs> but then I, then I listened to the calls. I'm like, Oh, you're juggling like a ton of different things. Yep. And um, so tell me a little bit about that. Like, so now there is only one dispatcher, right? So like if, if I was to call the police department, would you be the one to answer? Um, that depends on the size of the agency. So for Folsom, we were, everybody has what they call minimum staffing. So for Folsom, our minimum was two and 
Folsom only does police. We don't do fire or medical. So when we get a 911 call that's medical or fire, we fan that to, to the fire department where they dispatch. And then we listen depending to see if we have to respond or not. Um, but our minimum's two. So one person at one point is doing all phones, business lines, 911, you know, inner transfer calls from other agencies and the other person's doing the radio. But it's really, it's like a, a fine waltz really because you really have to work well with your partner and you may be taking a call, but over here with this other ear, you're hearing what she's saying and you pick up on those words, stabbing, shooting, knife, you know, and you're like, oh crap, what's going on? Yeah. So larger agencies like SAC PD, I mean, they got a whole room of people and you've got a slew of call takers and a slew of dispatchers where they split up, but Folsom's still small enough to where it's two. They need more. Absolutely. They need more, but it's, you know, getting everybody to realize that. Um, so it just depends on the size of the agency. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so it would be like two work in the day shift two work in the night shift or something like that. So it's always at least two. And then yeah. would you get, would you guys like have more people on there? Like I say, during like the crazier holidays, like new year's or something, or is it just always two and Cor- correct? No, the shifts kind of overlap. So you'll have your two day shift and then you'll have like a early swing that'll come in. And at some point there'll be four and then it'll drop back down or so there's always like overlapping coverage and same thing with the officers. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know how that yeah. worked. It was mm-hmm. for a while. There was, there's a little bit of a breathing room. Like, oh, we're overstaffed now. This is cool. And also you're like, Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. No or somebody calls them sick or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I remember cause I, I, like I said, the true crime podcast, I would listen and um, I would hear, cause sometimes you can hear the call and you can hear the person on the other side um, relaying the actual, you know, police lingo, the stuff that most people don't understand what, what it means. And then that same person is like relaying, like asking, like, what, what parking lot are you at again? And then you, she's relaying it to the other person. And it just seems like organized chaos in a way, you know, for yeah. a, a split second there. It seems like it, it could have its moments where it's like very exciting and like intense. And then right after that, it's just like down. Pretty much you got your feet up and you're just hanging out. What'd you do for the weekend or whatever? Yeah, totally. My husband, you know, John <laughs> and my daughter, when they've come to visit me and it gets busy, he's described it. It looks like I'm playing a real intense video game sometimes. Cause I'm like, you know, you know, and that it looks like you're playing a video game, but you know, I know you're not, but yeah, cause you're just go, 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 go type, 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 type. So. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good though. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I've only known one other person who, who's had that um, job and she came from a position of being an EMT. And then ah. she went into that and then, then she stopped doing it. I, I don't know why um, mm-hmm. we were dating for a while. That didn't work out. So oh. <laughs> I failed to find out exactly why. Um, <laughs> so like, this might be kind of a weird question because just like, you know, I, I ask people in, you know, I also experience like in, in like police work and stuff, Hollywood has made it completely not what it is. You know, you're not, you know, running into a, a room, you know, dodging bullets like you're John Wick every time and like one guy taking on 15. <laughs> but then there's movies yeah. that come out like uh, the Halle Berry movie, The Call, where she's a 911 uh, dispatcher and it's very, very intense. And then she has like, um, I think in the movie, she has a pretty big agency she's working for. So after the intense call, they have like a area where she could go to like decompress and stuff. 
Uh-huh. Do, do they have things like that for you? Like if you come from like a really difficult call where they, they'll say, okay, we'll, we'll, we're going to, we're going to relieve you for a little bit just to gather your thoughts. You know, it's, it's really knowing, knowing your partners, knowing your people. And I can say, um, I went through something that one of my partners, after she had her daughter went through the same thing, she was taking a call of, um, I think it was a, a baby drowning and she had just come back from maternity leave and she's sitting there and she held it together. She took the call, but the minute she hung up, I said, go. And yeah. I knew, cause I knew exactly what she was going through and she did. And, you know, she went to the restroom and I could hear her in there and she was sobbing and you just have to have that moment and then come back and you're good. We do have um, debriefings um, that they include us in. Um, sometimes and it just depends on the person for me. Sometimes they do more harm than good because you see the big picture and you see how vulnerable or how involved your officers were and how much, you know, their safety was compromised or, or whatever. It just, I don't like debriefings. I, I would rather, you know, debrief with my comm center, my people. And then if I need to, you know, seek somebody out, you know, like EAP or something like that, then I'll do that. But right. yeah, but it just, it just depends. I mean, I mean, it is really knowing your people and, and as a supervisor, knowing your, you know, your employees, do they look like they're not, you know, like this is affecting them or, or what? Yeah. Do, 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 um, I mean, you're obviously just like, um, we, we were talking to Scott Brown last week, you know, you're mm-hmm. human as well. And so obviously, you know, you know, you're gonna, some calls are going to bother you, but you don't show it at first. And then, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and then also heard some funny calls too, where, some people are saying funny things and you're trying your hardest to still be professional, but be like, well, it's kind of funny, you know, or, or even if someone calls in their, you know, they're a frequent flyer, you know, and you're like, Oh, here's, <laughs> here's Mrs. Jones again. What is it again? And then um, how, how do you manage your, your emotions during calls? Like during the actual call itself. It, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. And I think all dispatchers probably have the same thing where, you, it's almost robotic. I hate to say it, but it's almost robotic. You are able to keep it together as much as inside you're telling yourself, holy crap, I don't want this call. I don't want to be on this call. You know, that's your job and that's what you have to do. And it's, it's afterwards that you're like, okay, I think I need a minute. And, and you, you touched on something where you just don't know what it is that's going to bother you. And when I say that, um, when I first started working in Folsom, I, probably within the first year, I took a medical call and those get transferred to, to the fire dispatch, but we have to stay on the line and listen. So I'm listening to the call and it's just your routine medical call. The guy's having a seizure, right? You would think easy peasy. Um, but the person that was having the seizure, I could hear them in the background. And I don't know if you've ever heard a person that's coming out of a seizure. Have you ever heard that before? No. I know people no. have epilepsy, but I've never actually seen them. Have yeah. a seizure. So when they're coming out of a seizure, they're making this noise that sounds like a really deep snoring noise. Okay. I heard that and I must've turned white as a sheet because I got off the phone and my partner said to me, are you okay? And I said, I just need a minute. And what happened was it took me back to when I was 15 years old. My dad had had a stroke, a grand small stroke three years earlier. I'm sorry, three months earlier. And three months later, the doctor didn't tell us he and I are home alone. Everybody's gone. 
and we're watching TV. I'm laying on the floor. He's in the recliner. Next thing I know, I turn around. He's having a violent seizure. Although I'm 15, I have no idea what's happening. I'm like, are you having a stroke? What, what's going on? He's not responding to me. So I knew enough to call to get help. I called my sister who I knew was home. Um, and turns out that's what it was. But that noise that I heard, that snoring noise, took me back to that moment. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was probably 15 years later, at least. Yeah. But that quick, it took me back to being 15 and remembering what happened to my dad. Yeah. I hate to use so, that word triggered, but it seems like it triggered something. It really a memory. is. Yeah. Yeah. A memory. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I say you never know something as simple as that can, yeah. can trigger something. So. Yeah. Do you, um, what kind of petty things that people called about? Like I hear stories, of people calling all the time about this person didn't give me the right amount of change at my McDonald's, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, I've also heard how they've responded. They're like, well, sir, I don't think this is really a, uh, a need for us right here, but you know, like how, how often does that happen? You know, it does happen. I mean, it's not, it's not a constant thing, not a weekly thing, but it's, it's that people forget, you know, civil versus criminal, you know, right. we don't respond to civil stuff unless, you know, they're going to blows or it turns to where we have to show up, but we tell them, you know, you have to talk to the manager. It's had nothing to do with the police. So we try to not go to those type of calls as much as we can, you know, and just tell them, give them the avenue that they need to, to work it out. Um, but, but it does happen. It really does happen. Yeah. Did you ever get any cat stuck in a tree calls? <laughs> uh, well, yes. And fire department, if you can believe it or not in Folsom does go to those and, one of my first calls when I was solo after like a month or two of training was a cat in a storm drain. And I thought, is somebody punking me? I looked over at my partner. I go, do they really go on this? And she goes, yeah, send it to the fire department. So I send it to the fire department. It was this little old lady, bless her heart. And so I listened to the call. It was a male dispatcher. He was really good with her. And probably like, I don't know, three, four minutes later, she calls 911 back. She's like, well, where are you? You're not here. And so I said, oh, I said, well, let me transfer you back over. So I transfer her back and she's talking. She gets the same male dispatcher. He's very good with her, very patient. And all of a sudden she gets really frustrated. She says, oh, she goes, don't you people have maps? <laughs> she was like, where's that? Basically where the, you know, H-E-L-L are you yeah. to come and rescue this kitty? So some things like that, just, you know, they make you chuckle and they stay with you for a long time. Wilson's curious because his cat got stuck in a tree a few weeks back and no one was going to help him. They got it down though. <laughs> took forever. It took a week. I remember, I heard, I did listen to that podcast and I thought, <laughs> oh, poor kitty. <laughs> yeah. It, it happened to my sister too. She lives in uh, the border of Roosevelt and Antelope and they called the fire department and she has like a bunch of boys. And of course, they're all, yeah, look, fire department. And while they were there, they were like getting everything ready. They're all, we just got a call. We got to go. They're like, yeah. oh, I'm like, well, yeah, well, they're, forget the cat. They're going to go rescue this person. But, Priority. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. I mean, definitely not a 911 call, but yeah. I mean, if somebody calls me on the business line and says, I've got this going on, I can put them through on the non-emergency line and, and absolutely they'll help them out. You know, I had, I had one and I'll just, since we're on animals, I'll just go into this. Cause I really thought, again, somebody was punking me 911. This lady calls and she said, she's on a walk and my dog collapsed. And I thought, is this a joke? 
because you know 911 is for for people not for pets right and so that's why i said ma'am this is not 911 is for you know life threatening emergencies not for animals and she was beside herself but i kept her on i said you know what i said give me your phone number i said we do happen to have animal control i'll see if we can get her to respond over there because she's got this big you know 90 100 pound dog it's summertime she went for a walk with him he, he literally collapsed mm. and Animal control did go over there and poor thing, he didn't make it. There there was something wrong with him. But it just, the the weirdness of it, I thought, you know, I would never think to call 911 for my dog. Never. But she was just so panicked. She just, you know, 911. I also think a lot, I also think like a lot of people, uh, you know, especially like when you get into the the older folks, like that, that's usually what they have is the one animal. And that's their, yeah. their life. That's their connection. And so this is like, yeah. my world's crushing around. I mean, I'm married. I have a kid and I have a dog and a cat, but when we lost our, our little Toby a few years back, I mean, I was crushed. I didn't know what to do. So I can only imagine that's yeah. literally your only thing that you have. It yeah. would feel like an emergency at that time. Yeah. Um, it just depends. You know, people, people handle emergencies differently, you know, and, and I, that's, that's one thing I've learned in 31 years that I know <laughs> Yeah, you get your callers that are just really good and others that are just all over the place. And you really have to try and reel them in to get what you need. So on that, what is the weirdest non-emergency you've answered? <laughs> you know, I've taken so many calls. I actually had to ask my daughter, honey, can you remember what's the most weirdest, funniest call that I've taken? She goes, yeah, mom. And she tells me and I went, Oh yeah. So Again, elderly woman calls me on 911 and she's panicked. And I thought, okay, somebody's either, you know, passed away, having a heart attack. I figured it's medical call. She said, oh my God, I need your help. I need your help. And I said, what's the emergency? She says, I was just talking to my friend who lives in Yosemite. And then all of a sudden the line disconnected. And, and now I can't get a hold of her. And I'm afraid that something's happened to her because she's elderly. And I'm trying to find the phone number for the police department and all I can find is a town called Yosemite. <laughs> and I, it took everything in me not to laugh. And I just said, ma'am, I said, is that spelled Y-O-S-E-M-I-T-E? Yes, yes. I said, that's Yosemite and that's who you need to call. Oh, okay, thank you. Poor, poor lady. <laughs> yeah, she really had, was beside herself and, and didn't know how to spell Yosemite. And, she saw Yosemite and that's all she found. And, but, but honestly, people have a, and again, you touched on it earlier about, you know, the movies, they have a false sense of, I can call 911 and tell you that I need 911 and, you know, in Boulder city, Colorado, and you're going to get me there like that. Well, that's not how it happens. You know, yeah. if you really are, somebody's having an emergency over there, guess what? I'm going to use my Google. I'm going to find the phone number and I'm going to transfer you on their 911 line. But, it's going to take me a few minutes. It's not going to happen in the blink of an eye, you know, and people forget that the movies make it look so, you know, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've heard a lot of those stories too, where, where someone will be online and these are like in the cases of like, uh, um, not to go completely graphic, but like, uh, a lot of people there, they'll do their FaceTime or Facebook live thing. And I'm going to kill myself or whatever on their Facebook live. And their friends live like in California or another state. And they're like, well, if I call 911, it's going to be here. It's not going to be there. I need to get a hold of there. And so that, at that time, but they're like trying to figure out like, 
who do I call? And like, like it goes to the whole, we don't know. So we're just going to let you figure it out. So 911, you know, they're just, have you figured out for them? Yeah, we do get those. I, I, I hate those calls. I call those needle in a haystack because you'll get the call, you know, it'll come transferred to you, but then they have usually minimal information. Well, you know, his name is, you know, Joe. And, you know, I know he lives in Folsom, but it, it's really, it's like, we can we use all our resources at that point, you know, maybe going through his cellular company to get some information. And that's, you know, those, one of those exigent circumstances where we can actually um, request the cell company to give us the information. So if he is registered in Folsom, we can go welfare check his house to make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those, I don't, I don't like those calls because you just yeah. never know what you're going to run into. Yeah. And how does that work again? If you call 911 from a cell phone, does that go to CHP? No, not always. Not all, so how does, how, how does it know? So it's based on the towers um, okay. where you are. Um, a lot of times, um, and Wilson's probably familiar, Highway 50 corridor from Tahoe all the way down to Sacramento. Um, sometimes when there's a bad accident on Highway 50, we'll say at East Bidwell, we may get those calls at the city of Folsom. And it just depends on what cell tower they're pinging. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but a lot of times, um, and this, when I first started working in Folsom, it was 2000. CHP still took all the 911 cellular calls and then they transferred them to us on a seven digit emergency line. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but at one point, every agency started taking over their own cellular calls and it is based on the tower and where they're at. So like, um, you know, if I'm in Rockland, I'm going to get, you know, city of Rockland police. It just depends on where you are when you call 911, you know? Okay. So I've called, I've had, I've had to call 911 in Rockland over by where that Dutch brothers is. Um, I know you don't live here anymore, but there's a Dutch brothers off of sunset in Springview. And I witnessed an accident and I hit called 911. I got CHP of all people. I'm in the heart of the city of Rockland and I got CHP. So it just, it's crazy. It's just whatever style tower you're, you're nearest. Yeah, I know I've made it a thing. I think Wilson's actually, because when Wilson and I worked at Loomis together, uh, our route Mm -hmm. would take us into different counties in the different cities, you know, and so we're all over the place. And so I made it an effort to look at every police department's um, non-emergency number and store that in my phone for wherever my route was. So if I'm in Yolo County, I know I'm going to call it, and it's not really an emergency, I'll call the Yolo County non-emergency phone line rather than 911 because 911 is universal wherever we're at. I'm just going to get whoever. Um, exactly. And I still do that because, I mean, my route out here in West Virginia, I'm, I practically go to different states because <laughs> it's such a smaller mm-hmm. state. So I, yeah, I'm going through yeah. multiple counties and cities. So I try to have that in my phone. and But we have like hardly any cell service in some areas there's areas where i go where it's we have a big uh antenna in uh, uh it's called the green bake observatory where it's like i forget how many miles there is zero internet there's nothing there um, wow. the people that live there can't have wi-fi or anything um it, it's but it's it's huge telescope because it interferes with their radio signals so mm-hmm. and even my gps stopped working when i was driving up there on my anniversary last year and I'm like, oh man, what happens if I get in an accident? Like I have no one to call. And then all mm-hmm. I'm thinking at that point is like deliverance, you know, and all this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> oh gosh, you know, I have no one to call. I'm going to go knock on the door and banjos. Yeah. Are but I'm just like, well, I guess I just better plan ahead, you know, <laughs> but, 
but yeah, yeah that's uh that's interesting though how it works on the cell towers. I know a lot of people are like uh, they're adding 5G and doing all this stuff now and adding cell towers, companies buying each other out. So it's yeah, yeah, pretty weird. And, and what we get what we get on our end is the latitude and longitude within so many meters and a percentage. So it'll say you know 97% accuracy within five meters. So we know we're pretty much right on top of them, but it's not going to tell me this person that's calling is at the In-N-Out Burger. Oh. You know what I mean? So um, what I tell people is if you call us on a non-emergency line and register your cell phone number with us, um, you know, I can input all their information, their cell phone. So if they were to call again and they had a true emergency but couldn't stay on the line, their phone number on my screen is going to highlight yellow to know that I've had history with that phone number before. I can double click it and go, oh, well, this is Janet and this is where I know Janet lives, blah, blah, blah. Is that so why figure it out that way? Is that why you guys ask uh, what number are you calling from? We always always verify whether okay. it's the address, the phone number. That's like ingrained in our brains. Verify, verify, verify. Because in an emergency, you could recite me your home address but not be there. Right. And 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 here's another thing that that I'll bring up now since we're kind of talking about phones. Um, have you ever heard of the the voice over IP, the Internet Protocol phones? Yeah. Okay. Vonage so, or whatever. Yeah. So let's say, um, perfect example, you lived here, right? But you now live in West Virginia, correct? Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's say you had that phone and you picked it up, unplugged it, and you took it with you. And now you live in West Virginia and your kid got hit by a car, God forbid. But let's say your kid got hit by a car out in front of your house, right? You go in your house, you grab your phone and you call 911. Guess where it's coming? Oh, it's really? Coming to me unless you register your phone with your phone company and say, Hey, I no longer live in California. I now live over here. Please change my address. And then they know to switch all the, uh, the 911 stuff. I can't tell you how many calls like oh, that I've taken. That's interesting. An actual true emergency. And I have to explain to them again, it's not that I can't just one button push you to, you know, Washington, Seattle, Washington police. I have to go through my Google, find the number and I'll transfer you. That's very interesting. So I never, never thought of it like that. Cause I know like uh -huh. I, when we moved out here, we, we had to switch everything over. I mean, there was a lot we had to switch over and yeah. those are things that you just don't think of. Cause I still have my same phone number. Cause I'm not, yeah. I mean, I had to give up my driver's license number that I had memorized in my head since I was 18. <laughs> yeah. And now for the life of me, people say, what's your driver's license number? I'm like, hold on. I got to grab my, uh, my wallet. <laughs> like I'm a, like I'm a brand new fresh driver and recite it to yep. you. Yep. Yep. So then I recited back to them phonetically. Then they're like, okay, you're uh -huh. good. You're good. I made it a little bit easier on them because I wasted their time. So that's interesting. That's, that's actually a good public service announcement right there. Like, Absolutely. I tell that as much as I can because it's, yeah, people don't realize. And yeah, it's good, good information now. And even for you, if you're driving, um, call those agencies, give them your phone number so that you, they have history with you. So they know. So that way, if you do, you know, call, a lot of times what happens is people will call 911 and then go, oh shit, I didn't mean to call. They realize it, right? Yeah. Hang up immediately. Well, guess what? It still goes through. Whether mm -hmm. we get the information or not, I at least get the phone number. So yeah. if you've called before, I can actually, you know, research you, look it up and see, you know, at least where you live to, you know, do a welfare check. Yeah, I can't remember how many times I have my phone in my pocket and all of a sudden I hear, I think it sounded like a an alarm. I'm like, what? 
I didn't set my alarm, but look at it and it's counting down. It's all, I hit that little panic button on the side <laughs> five times. I'm yeah. like, no, no, no. And I hang up. I'm like, uh, and then I'm like, what do I do? Do I call him? I don't call him back. Like, sorry, it was this mistake. But I'm like, I don't want them to like, just all of a sudden police show up in my house. I'm like, I guess I'll just wait for them. And, and I think I shut it off yeah. in time. I was like, oh man. So it's a good feature to have, but man, that's why I put it in the, the cargo pocket now where my pants aren't so tight down there. So there you go. it doesn't bump around. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, it's good practice to just stay on the line and, and just tell them you made a mistake I mean, they're only checking your welfare to make sure you don't really need the police. It's all they're yeah. doing. So people hang up thinking, Oh, I'm going to get in trouble, you know, but no, that's, it's, if it's a true error, it's an error, but yeah. Can you be um, arrested? Is it a misdemeanor to misuse 911? Absolutely. We've arrested people for that. Wilson. So. um you're you're mentioning um you know the the accidental calling and stuff have you ever so you got uh calls from kids and stuff um like like accidental accidental ones i imagine yeah and i usually if it's if it's a kid and even if they're 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 truly playing with the phone you know i will tell them you know you're not in trouble because the little ones usually and you can kind of school them and tell them, it's like, you know, what's your name? You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble, but I need to talk to an adult to make sure that everything is okay, to make sure you're okay. And there has been times where, you know, parents leave the kid alone, but they really aren't a hundred percent old enough to be alone. Like maybe mom just went to the store or went to pick up the other kid or something. But if they can't tell me who mom is, if they don't know mom's cell phone number, that, that's a problem. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I, they probably are going to get a cop just to at least school the parent and say, you know what, he accidentally or was playing with the phone and, you know, maybe he's he or she's not old enough to stay alone if they can't recite those important numbers to, you know, to law enforcement. Yeah. So um, have you gotten calls from kids that were legit and like there were little kids and they're trying their hearts to tell you that something happened to mom and dad? They weren't home alone, but something bad did happen. Absolutely. Um, one, my daughter reminded me of this little girl got nominated for 911 for kids. So um, I took the 911 call and originally it was um, the neighbor, it was an apartment complex and the neighbor was calling in and she had, I can't remember, she was disabled and it was really hard to understand her. And so she ran to go find the daughter and she went and got the daughter, got her back on the phone. And what had happened was the little girl's mom had collapsed. Um, she was, she had had some kind of a medical condition. Um, she passed away, but the little girl, um, I had transferred her over to, you know, fire dispatch. She was, I think she was like eight or nine at the time. She listened to all of their instructions, did CPR on her mom, the whole nine yards until medical personnel and the police got there. Um, and she got nominated for 911 for kids and I got to meet her. It was very sweet. And she was a, nice little girl and there's a clip I think if you look up 911 for kids I'm on there with her and another little boy and she wanted to become a nurse after that and and she was I mean mature beyond her years you know I you know sometimes things happen and they end up good she goes but it didn't happen that way for my mom you know and and just it's like heartbreaking but good kid good kid yeah I'll try to find that clip maybe I'll I'll find it and add it to our our socials (laughs) <laughs> now i also heard this on another podcast and but i also heard on other uh calls that when you when you answer the call the, the, this is kind of a two-part question 
and they're like in the show they're playing it and they go here's the 911 call you hear the phone ringing and then you hear the dispatcher pick up so but you hear the people talking on the other end who are calling so does it record earlier how does that i'm i mean i don't know if it was like there um i mean i'm not sure if that makes any sense like if i was to call you uh-huh. and it's ringing but i'm like in the middle middle of like yelling like no just go that way it's picking all that up before you even answer the minute i pick up the phone it's recording from the very second i pick up the phone those lines are recorded so i mean i can say 911 what is your emergency but you could be talking over me like you said yelling at something and i can just stay silent i can listen uh-huh. but it's all all being recorded okay cuz the ones i heard you could hear the phone still ringing and you hear, Oh, maybe. Oh, and so what like, you're hearing is you're hearing the background then you're hearing other dispatchers. So like envision oh, yourself in, a call, oh, okay. in a call center and you're hearing those other, those other lines ringing for other dispatchers. That's what you're hearing. Okay. That makes sense. I'm like, man, that's because I know like police badge cams and stuff. Uh, once they mm-hmm. activate it, it's like always recording, but once it activates, it like records like 30 seconds or whatever behind where you actually mm-hmm. activated it. So I was mm-hmm. kind of curious about that. And the other question on that is, I also heard that um, most dispatchers, they, they answer, I think they answer the call 911, where is your emergency? People think they're saying, what is your emergency? So which one is it? Is it where or what? Um, you know, it depends on the agency, but I would always say 911, what are you reporting? Okay. And then I go into where they're at because uh, like I said, sometimes, you know, you, if you're in the height of an emergency, you could forget that, oh, I've just moved three months ago and I'm going to recite you my old address. And then everybody goes over there. A great example is we had a, and I was working with a dispatcher who was part-time. So she wasn't there all the time. Um, 911 call for a, um, Wilson probably knows it's 211 in progress. It is a robbery in progress. It was a, I think it was a subway. And so he says, I'm at the subway on Iron Point. So she goes into our CAD computer. She puts in subway because we can put it in by the location. Pops up. She sees Iron Point, selects it, enter. She sends me the call. I start officers. Officers get there and they're like, there's nothing going on here. Well, the way our screen was set up before, this is our old computer aided dispatch. Um, You only got to see like a quarter of it. Well, little did we know. There were two subways on Iron Point, one by the freeway and one more closer into the outlets. And it was the one that was closer in town. So they went to the wrong one. But she didn't verify. She didn't verify. He said, robbery, subway, Iron Point. She went, boom, boom, boom. Here you go. So it's verify, verify, verify. (laughs) Yeah, I remember the few times I've had to call when I lived, because I lived in Fair Oaks. And we would get a uh, sack uh-huh. sheriff out um, yeah. a few times that I called, I would be like, okay, now when they pull into the apartment complex, have them pull to the leasing office. And then uh, when they're looking straight at it, make sure they go right, they go right. They're going to see uh-huh. a building there. That building says this on there's a, and I'm very, very detailed, but what's funny yes. is if I'm ever like driving, like the other day it was snowing out here, I was snowing yesterday here, but when I was uh-huh. uh, driving down uh, this highway to get to work, it was just really, really foggy. I'm like, man, if they, if I get an accident and they say, uh, where are you going? I'd be like, uh, well, I'd tell you the mile marker I was at, but, uh, 
or, or like, if, even if you're saying something like, oh, where, which way were they heading? And I hear people go, oh, they're heading east. I'm all, I don't have a compass. They're going that way. <laughs> they're heading towards where the sun currently is. You know, I'm a, I, I, I try to get detailed, but sometimes, yes. you know, I, I dumb it down. I'm like, do you know where the Starbucks is on this corner? Yeah, right there. I'll meet you there. I'll point exactly where it happened. You know, because I'm like, I, I don't know sometimes, but I guess it's situational awareness or whatever. It, it is. And, and we have a lot of the maps. Um, I know our Folsom does for the different apartment complexes and things. And, you know, we have cameras now, a lot of cameras within the city, which help. Um, but it really, a lot of times depends on what, you know, like a, a good reporting party, such as yourself, that's going to give detailed instructions, especially if it's an apartment complex. Okay, where is it in relation to the pool? How many pools are there? Do they go left or right at the entrance? That, that kind of a thing. Because, you know, I mean, apartment complexes are huge and they can have, you know, 10, 20 buildings and, you know, we need to make sure we're going to the right, right place. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, one of those calls, there was a, a party in my apartment. Well, I wasn't calling about the party cause I'm mm -hmm. not that old, <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> I overheard a girl crying and then the party ended up going outside and it, it kind of got like a little uh, rowdy. Like there's some guys like out there, like, sound like they want to fight. Then I heard a girl say something about a guy doing something to her in the closet and she didn't like it very much. I'm like, okay, this has gone one. This is where I live. I don't need that. Cause I have a daughter. So I called it yeah. in and by that time they've all dispersed. And so this is like midnight and I, uh, I kind of, uh, look out, you know, my window cause I see flashlights and I'm like, I open my window I'm like, hey, hey, like that to the, to the, the deputy sheriffs and they shine their flashlight. I mean, I just kind of point that way. And they kind of give me a uh -huh. walk away and I'm 99 point per, like percent sure that that deputy was Mark Stasiuk that showed up because it was a younger looking deputy. And I think it was like a few months later is when he got shot and killed in Rancho. And wow. uh, I was just like, and it sucked because like nothing happened. Those, the, the party went away. And that's the thing people don't understand. Like they expect you to call and then be there right now. And that's just not the way it is. Uh -huh. And that's not the way it is. And like, so when I, when I'm listening to these calls on these podcasts and I'm listening and I'm hearing the person freak out and I hear the dispatcher saying, where are you? And they're freaking out. Ah, and they're, are you sending people? I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out where you're yeah. at. And then you keep mm -hmm. relaying help is on the way, help is on the way. And, yeah. you know, and, and I look at that from a non-dispatcher side. I'm like, yeah, I'd probably be wondering where people are at. And then at the same time, in that moment, life is like crazy for me, but I'm remaining calm. But then at the same time, when you're a dispatcher, you're like, you know where they're at, you know, that they're going to be there soon. So you're just trying to calm them down. So Correct. that's got to be uh, upsetting for you when you know something bad's happening. Right. And, but the person's not really listening to you or giving you the information that you need to get the people there. And you're, mm -hmm. cause you're, and then they're trying to, now they're like mad at you. You know, cause you're not yeah. listening now. You said you, you, uh, were Spanish speaking, correct? Yes. So were there, are there, how do you handle that when someone calls and they're not English or Spanish speaking say they're Mandarin or Russian speaking? So we have, um, two language lines, one for nine, one, one, and it's a one button push for us to AT&T and, they come on the line, we give them our, you know, our specific code for our agency and we tell them, you know, I need, I need Mandarin. 
okay, just a moment. And it takes them just a few, you know, maybe like a minute and they get a translator on the line and we tell them what we need with, you know, we've got a caller that speaks this language. And then it's basically like a three-way call. So it takes longer, obviously, to get the information, but, you know, they'll ask them the question and they'll say, okay, they say this. Now, what do you want me to ask them? Okay, ask them this. And it just goes along that way until we get all the information that we need. That's cool. That's they're, hard. That's some, they're hard calls, but but it works. That's some good technology there. Because I imagine when mm -hmm. 911 first came out, they they didn't have that. You know, they had the little probably plug, not the plugs and stuff. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. I was going to say nowadays, probably 90% of our callers are cell callers, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they're having an emergency, you know, it we usually rely on one, the latitude, longitude, where they're at. And two, we'll ask them, you know, landmarks. You know, what are you near? Is there a is there a Kentucky Fried Chicken? Is there a Starbucks near you? Where are you standing in front of, you know? And we have to rely on that kind of information or what are you wearing? You know, that kind of, that kind of information because yeah. it's not, it's, it's our 911 screen looks different for cellular callers versus um, people that actually have a landline phone in their house. You know, okay. that's going to have, that's going to have the house phone number. It'll have their address who the bill comes to, you know, mom, dad, whoever it's registered to, and that information. But cellular ones have the cell number. It has their cell provider. It has the latitude, longitude, how close they are, how many meters within, you know, what's the percentage of accuracy, that kind of information. And we can actually, if they're, if they're moving, let's say it's a road rage call, we can actually continue to, um, what's the word, refresh the screen so that it continually is updating us to their location. Okay. So it may have started may have started at the auto mall, but now they're going down, you know, Folsom Boulevard inbound toward Greenback and we can continually refresh that screen to follow them to see where they're at. It it usually starts at the auto mall too. I've I've read Rage there <laughs> quite a few times. <laughs> right. <laughs> How much you want for that truck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um so when when people call um what information, I mean, I know that this, our listeners are smart people. When, when, when they make a call, what kind of information should they have like ready to go that they know they're going to answer? Obviously location, their number, um, and then the nature of their call. Yeah. And then think about the W's, the W's, who, what, where, when, why. Okay. That's just, basically just the, best, the best thing to common sense, common sense stuff. And you know, that, that works. And I'll go into my what things you should say and not say. Okay, what <laughs> should we're kind you of say? <laughs> Well, well, the one thing you should not do is lie to us. Right, absolutely. Okay? And and that is for the caller safety as well as the safety of my officers. And and I say that because I had a call once in the evening and the guy was calling in. There was an intruder in his house. He lived in a tri-level house. And they were way upstairs watching a movie or whatever in the middle of the night. And he says, I, I think there's somebody in my house on the bottom floor. And yeah, there probably was, but they got out. But I stayed on the line, asked him all the questions. Those, those kind of calls, you stay on the phone until the officers are on scene. And I said, where are you? Okay, I'm up on the third floor. Are you armed with anything? No, I'm not. Okay, make sure we relay that to the officers. Officers get there. Well, after the call's over, they call us and they're kind of, shall we say, bitching us out. And they say, you know what? We drew down on this guy because he had a gun. And I said, 
I will play the tape back for you and you can hear where I asked him if he had a weapon. He lied. Wow. And that that is such a no no. Yeah. <laughs> he could have got himself shot because, you know, the officer doesn't know yeah. who's who. That's yeah. the same so, kind of thing that happened with Brian Ishmael and mm-hmm. that whole thing. It was all bad information from the caller. He didn't tell yeah. the whole story. Well, that's why he got mm-hmm. in trouble too. Yeah. I think he got sentenced too. I think he got like 15 years or something. Yeah. It's just, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. So don't lie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, the times I've called and they, they've come up to my house to like talk to me about just whatever, like more about like what I saw happen. It was a fight that I saw. And I think it was a domestic thing at my apartments. And I was calling about the the woman because um, she asked me to call for her. I'm like, yeah. So they came to talk to me first. And they were like, Is, do you have a, like a gun or mom? Well, no, I do. I'm all, I didn't take it down there with me when I broke up the fight. I'm all, please. I'm all, I'm all, I did take my handcuffs down there just in case it went hands on. And yeah. I said, but I'm all, I just, you know, I'm like, you, you don't need to worry about me. I'm all this, this, it's down there, but they're just asking me just questions and stuff. And, you know, that's why like, even it's, it's almost like the same common sense stuff when you're getting pulled over, you know, 10 and two, you know, hands up there. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if like, like when I worked for Loomis armor, one, I'm, if I'm driving, I'm sitting down all day. So I don't like my, having my wallet um, out, like sitting on it. So I'd put it right there on my dash um, when I'm driving to work because my gun was where my wallet is. So if yeah. they're asking me for my, my ID, well, guess where my hand's going? It's going right by my uh-huh. gun. So I'm uh-huh. leaving it up there. And the first thing I say, I'm, I'm like, and it's never happened, but I'd be like, hey, just so you know, I am armed, but here's my wallet. I just right there at my dash and hand it to him. And then I'm, I'll yeah. get out. You can take my gun from me, whatever you want to do. I just, one, I don't, I'm obeying. I don't want to get shot. Everyone wants to go home. That's the ultimate yeah. goal. And- Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's okay. I mean, if they are armed, that's fine. But what, if they say, yes, I have a handgun for my protection or I have a baseball bat for my protection. I say, okay, well, when the officers arrive, you are going to need to secure that for me. Mm-hmm. And then I will say, you know, where, where is it? Where are you putting it? Okay. I'm putting it in the closet. Okay. And I will relay that to the officers. Okay. He was, he's armed, but he's, I will tell him when to put it away, blah, 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 that kind of a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I've also, I think I've heard calls too, where um, it was like, I think a suicide or something like that. And they go, there's a gun there. And they go, did you touch the gun? They go, no, no, don't touch it. Leave it. Where's the, they ask, they ask where it's at. I think that's mainly for, you know, so they could tell that he didn't touch it. Uh, You know, like, where was it? Oh, it's on the kitchen floor okay leave it there when the cops get there if it's, if it's in the bathroom floor there's a problem you know yeah. it's been moved exactly um so yeah guns are for self-defense people yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> you know if i was that guy i'd have a gun too but i'd definitely be like i have a gun here's what i am wearing you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly I will, no i will, I will do I will do exactly what you want me to do while i'm on the phone and then you know they'll make me go on the ground whatever you got to do because I know that I want to sleep in my own bed tonight and not in a coffin or a jail cell. So there you go. Um, yeah. So on that note, what's the worst call you ever had? Uh, two calls come to mind. And one is probably anything involving kids. Um, the ones I hate the most are in the summertime, the drownings. People having a party and, you know, nobody's really paying attention. All of a sudden they see the kid face down in the pool. Um, out of all my years, I think one has survived. I, and I can't tell you how many I've taken, but, and it was recent in the last couple of years, she actually survived. Wow. Um, 
but it's almost like, you know, we have a sixth sense and you just know you're on the phone and you can hear that um, just terror in the caller's voice, which is usually, you know, a parent or a grandparent. And you can just tell by the way they're, you know, upset. This is not going to be, this is not going to end well. Um, so I hate those calls with a passion. Um, one of the most recent calls that I can remember, um, probably within the last year before I retired, um, was a gal that called 911 and she said, I, I slit my throat an hour ago and I need help. Well, first of all, an hour ago, I'm thinking, how are you talking to me? First of all, yeah. right. Okay. And she's calling me on her cell phone. So I'm looking at the screen and it's, it's when the, when the call comes up on the 911 screen, it automatically dumps that information into our computer to dispatch. So it gives me a pinpoint, but we had history with her phone number and she wasn't giving me her location right away. And we had different apartment complexes for her. So I had to do some like poking around with her before I got the correct location before she didn't give me anything. But all in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how is she talking to me if she slit her throat an hour ago? And she had, you know, life was horrible and the whole nine yards and um, she, the officers wanted her to, uh, can she come to the door? And she says, no, I can't come to the door. I'm sitting in the bathtub in a pool of blood. And I'll be darned when they actually finally got there, like we had to have the, the, like the maintenance person open the door. She really did slit her throat and wow. she must've not have slit it, uh, but she ended up for days in the hospital. Um, how she was talking to me, I don't know, but they said there, uh, it was like a miracle. So but she I think, lived? I think honestly what happened, she lived. Wow. She lived. I think what happened was that she probably thought it was going to be, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be gone within probably minutes, right? And she laid there and was like, okay, this isn't happening the way I wanted it to. So then she decides to call 911. And it really had been almost, I think almost an hour from the time she slit her throat to the time she called me. That's crazy. So, crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy. But it, for me, it was the, you think, why me? Why am I getting this call? Yeah. And then, and then it's not that cut and dry. She's given me what I need to get her help. She kind of played the game with me for a little bit. She, I want to get my address. I, I'm an apartment complex. Well, we have a lot of apartment complexes. So it was like, you know, kind of trying to get her to cooperate with me to give her, to give me that information so I could get help to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Those are frustrating. I bet. Have you ever met anyone that you helped on the phone like years later besides that girl? The, the uh, girl? Um, as a matter of fact, yes. My, my most best call that, that I love is not because it was an awesome call and we got the bad guy, but it was because I got to meet my victim and it was the only time I actually got to meet my victim. And it was a um, carjacking. So I, I think if I remember, I, I ended up doing the phones and the radio on this call. I think my partner was up for a break or something. I, I can't remember, but it was right around the time light rail came to Folsom and they were in Folsom. She was, um, she worked around the outlets area and this couple had seen her come to work and they liked her car. She had a brand new, uh, they called it a bumblebee Ford Mustang. 
okay. the black and the yellow. Okay. I mean, really nice car. So they saw where she went in and they waited for her and they concocted a plan. And, and this is another one of those public service announcements, especially for women. You see people walking around and what are they doing? Like this on their cell phone, right? You can see me. And they're not aware of their surroundings. That's exactly what she did. She comes out of work and the lady uh, suspect says, um, excuse me, do you have the time? And she goes, oh yeah, it's where all the guy comes up behind her, bashes her on the head with a beer bottle. She struggles. And what they wanted obviously was her purse to get her keys, right? She struggled, but they got her purse and her keys and they took off in the car. She goes back in to her business where she worked. I get the call. And she sounded, she was, her voice was so elevated because she was scared, obviously. And she's bloody and she's got a big gash in her forehead. She sounded like she was 20. Uh, I met her later. She was like a middle-aged, maybe 40 to 50-year-old woman. Um, she gave us a good recount, but um, luckily everything happened like, it was almost textbook, I, I swear, because I put out the call. Officer says, oh, I see that car. I mean, how many Bumblebee Ford Mustangs are there, you know? Yeah. Uh, went into pursuit. Went into pursuit. They ended up crashing um, out by Negro Bar and totaled the car. But we got them. Yeah. So she, the officer, after they took her to the hospital and got her checked out, he brought her in because she had to do a photo lineup. And I asked him, I said, can you bring her upstairs? Because I would really like to meet her. And it was the one time I actually got to meet a victim. So it was, for me, it was a, it was a happy ending all the way around, but it was nice yeah. to meet her and put a face. Yeah. Is that something that they would normally do is like, if, if nope. No, we don't. I mean, it's, it's, that's, I say it's for me, that was the best call all the way around because, you know, we got the bad guy and, you know, she was okay. I mean, she had a little gash on her forehead. She had stitches for, her, but um, yeah, normally it's, you go to the next call. You don't, you may get to hear like, you know, the lady that slit her throat. I was able to follow up later with our mental health officer to see how she was doing, but that's it. I never got to meet her. Yeah. You know? So we don't get to meet, we don't get to meet those people. So yeah, it's probably got to be a little disheartening too. Like if, I mean, do you always find out like what the outcome of the calls are or do you, what's the, because I can only imagine like something like that. Then all of a sudden, you know, you read it on the news and I say, you're all, I was the one that took that call. Now I know what the outcome was, <laughs> you know, I mean, do, do you, do you prefer not to know, or do they let you know regardless of the outcome? We can, you know, we come back the next day, we can ask the officers what, you know, what happened to that person? Are they okay? And, and they'll tell us, you know, and it's, most of us want to know, you know, especially if it's like towards the end of your shift and you, maybe you took a bad crash or something and, and you go home or, you know, your friends will text you that are, that took over for you and say, yeah, the guy made it or didn't make it or, you know, whatever. But yeah. we can, we normally do find out. It's just the nature of how we are and how we roll. So. Yeah. And then this, this question is from a lot of these questions are from my sister and myself and around other people. Uh, but my sister asks, um, how much training do you get prior to your first call? Well, <laughs> I'll take that from now, like a brand new dispatcher now versus 30 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> It's, it's a lot of on the job training. So you're in, you're in training. The way they do it in Folsom is it's split up. You start in an academy in um, our like emergency operations center with another dispatcher or two, and everybody is introducing you to things that you're going to need to know. You know, if you don't, if you're green, you don't know the phonetic alphabet, you don't know military time, you got to learn all this stuff first, right? 
So they give you a couple of weeks of that. Then they actually bring you into the comm center and you'll start taking um, the non-emergency calls and getting familiar with our computer-aided dispatch. Now, keeping in mind that you got to type at least 45 words a minute to be able to type as they're talking because uh, you don't have pencil and paper. So um, that's that's key. So probably in phones, depend. everybody's different, but I would say probably it's a good full year, a good six months on phones and probably you know a good six months on radio. It just depends on the person. You know, you could excel on the on the phones and then get to radio and go, oh my God, this is a whole other ball game. But yeah. it, it just depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. And then um let's see, she had another call. Um has anyone called you that you actually knew? When I worked in Lincoln, I took the heart attack for my high school principal from his wife. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yep. And years later, I, I met his daughter. We were selling our house and she was a loan officer. And I said, you know, I go, I asked her about her parents and I said, you know, I go, I worked in Lincoln. And I said, I remember taking the call for your dad's heart attack. She goes, that was you. I said, yep. Your mom was early in the morning. And yep. I remember some things just stick with you. Yeah. Probably like, I recognize this name from somewhere. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and that was back in when Lincoln was like, still population like 8,500 before it, it, you know, grew. So it was still ABC one, two, three streets. There wasn't all this 12 bridges and all that. And yeah. you know, the, the city limits were still at more road. <laughs> yeah. McBain so, parkway. All yeah. of that stuff out there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do they still have their little, uh, their little uh, police department that looks like that, like a warehouse right there in the corner. Yep. Th wow. they sure do oh yeah we used to drive by that like every day <laughs> yeah i'm like well, that's a police department i mean it's like a factory like they're it's like a yeah it's like a prune plant or something in there <laughs> i don't and i don't know how they do it when the train goes by Holy oh yeah mackerel, it is yeah. so loud so loud you can't you can't even hear yourself think well i remember Horrible. many years years ago there was a propane plant that was right there i was about ready to explode and the and yes. the uh because there's that wood uh timber place right there that would have just uh -huh. caught on fire and then the police station right there i'm like yep. oh man because i had friends that lived back there uh in that housing uh -huh. area right there i'm like man you guys might want to go <laughs> <laughs> when i was there it was still in the old like by where um fifth and e by the civic center okay so the pd was still on e street and small little thing and i can remember gosh a couple years into working there and we actually had life flight helicopter touched down on E Street in the middle of the night for oh, wow. a DUI driver. This guy was DUI and had rolled his truck. No one had a seatbelt, him and his wife and their, I want to say 18 month old baby. Someone had saw them walking on the side of the road out in the county and picked them up and just dropped them off in front of the police department and took off. And so they get to my, back then it was like a little tiny room with a window and I see them walk in and he's holding this baby that's, you know, covered in blood. And he says, help me, my baby. So I start medics. I start everything back then. I was police and fire, got everything rolling, called CHP because the accident happened in their jurisdiction. And the image that's ingrained in my brain forever is watching him stand there in handcuffs with CHP after he did his field sobriety test, watching the helicopter take off with his baby who did not make it. Oh, gosh. That was horrible. 
horrible. Yeah. And of course, he, he was the one that was standing without a scratch. She had a broken collarbone and the baby suffered the most injuries. That's generally how it happens too, which is so weird. Yep. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. Everybody that I've talked to in law enforcement, um, even EMTs and other firefighters, they say that the kid calls are the worst. Buddy of mine who was a CHP, um, I asked him, I said, what's, well, what's it like? you know, dealing with the kid calls. And he said, he goes, honestly, he goes, the first one jacks you up. Second one uh-huh. jacks you up. Third one uh-huh. jacks you up. And then he got, he goes, oh, the 15th one, uh, it messes you up while you're there, but you don't really need to go to counseling after it. He goes, but I'm telling you, he goes, the uh, minute that you're not bothered by that, you got a problem. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and for me, it was after I had my daughter and the first call I took, it was a, um, the, 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 it was a baby. She was like, um, the mom had went to check on her like at six in the morning. I just gotten to work. Mom went to check on her at six in the morning, gave her her bottle. And when she went back, it was a little after seven, she had passed away. And it was the grandma who was on the phone with me and the little boy, her brother was my daughter's age, maybe like three. And he's going, grandma, grandma, what happened to sissy? That's what got me. Mm. And I finished the call. I unplugged and my partner said, go. I take off. I go to the bathroom with my phone. I'm dialing my sister who's watching my daughter. I couldn't even get the words out. I was sobbing. And all I could, she's asking me, what, what, are you okay? And I could get out. Yes. And she says, is John okay? I could get out. Yes. And I go, Emily, she says, Emily's fine. (laughs) And it was, it was horrible absolutely horrible but that was my first experience with a call after after being a mom and that was just yeah. it was that it was the little boy because i thought oh lord yeah yeah and that's so. the one thing like you know you know we were we were when we were talking with scott brown last week was like how as you know wilson has some kids i have a daughter and you have your you know your daughter and i'm just like it's a crazy how much our life our frame of mind changes once we become parents like absolutely it made me grow up so fast <laughs> and well, I mean, so fast, I was already an adult, but like, I don't know if I would be where I'm at now if it wasn't for her. Cause I mm-hmm. live my life for her now and my wife. And, you know, I do certain things. I don't do certain things because of them, you know, yep. skydiving, you know, all those things that I love to do on a average <laughs> weekend, um, you know, but you know, I mean, please, I can barely, we were watching Better Call Saul last night. I was sitting on the couch cross-legged and then I went to stand up. I was like, ooh, ah. I was all, I'm all, <laughs> well, she, my wife's like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, Jesus, I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm like, well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older, so I can't do the things I used to do because now that I'm living in West Virginia, I want to get a mountain bike. And, I, and my wife's like, do you think it's a good idea? I'm all, why not? She goes, well, maybe we should have some people around you or you should have like some sort of safety device just in case you fall. I'm like, probably not a bad idea, but it's not like I need, I need you're like gonna one need those... one. You're going to need one of those ones with the electric motor on it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I told her mom, just give me the clapper. One of those life alert things. Let's just get it over with. Okay. I'm 40. <laughs> So get you, get you the little, the little horn on the bicycle. That... <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is last, last night I was, um, I was grilling. I keep wanting to say barbecuing, but I get all the West Virginians out here getting mad at me when I say that. And it was snowing on me. So I was like, you know, this sucks. And um, I keep hearing a whistle 
up up my my road i live like on a, it's like a court and i don't normally hear a whistle i'm like what is it but it's in cadence so it's like a long whistle a stop then a long whistle then like a minute goes by and then it's again i'm like what is that noise and then i'm like everyone on my road is they're elderly people except for my one new neighbor he's a uh, uh national park ranger and so mm-hmm. i'm like i'm all i'm gonna call him real quick and see if he hears that noise and so I, I just sent him a text and go, hey, well, I'm hearing a whistle. Are you hearing this? Because if it's one of my elderly neighbors, because it's icy out, I don't know if a neighbor fell, they're blowing their whistle. Yeah. And yeah. so at the same time, I'm grilling. So I don't want to leave my chicken and have it burn for no, no reason. So um, I see him step outside. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to walk up there quick. I walk up there and he goes, yeah, my dog ran away and I was blowing this stupid whistle that I got. And apparently it doesn't work because he, he's not coming back dog ended up coming back but i was like man we gotta check up on our elderly people here and, uh, and he's like, no that's a good call I'm, he goes, that's, I, I didn't even think of that he goes i'm sorry i bothered you with the whistle i'm like no 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 mike you didn't bother me a little bit because you know he, my dog took off the other day and she ran right to his house and right to him <laughs> i think my dog has a crush on his dog so it kind of works out so we're, we brought our dog out last time to try to lure his dog out we're like chief luna's outside you know <laughs> you wanted nothing to do with it um but then uh marcos our our, our good buddy has, has a funny question for you um have you ever answered your personal phone with 911 what's your emergency <laughs> uh yeah or you go to work and you forget where you work and so i, I did it before where i was in Folsom and i said lincoln police and fire what, what? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know if John told you, but I actually just went back to work. I was been retired for six months and I'm working again because uh, my daughter's going to have a quinceanera. Do you know what that is? I do. I did security okay. for a couple so, of them actually in Woodland. There you go. So <laughs> I'm working to pay for a quinceanera and kid you not, just a few days ago, I picked up the phone to answer. I'm working for a commercial construction company. I picked up the phone and for that split second, I almost said, 911, what is your emergency? And I oh, caught was... myself, and then it was like, where the hell am I? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> that would throw that guy through so a loop. <laughs> He's like, right? holy crap, right? I dial a seven-digit phone number. How'd I get 911? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, it happens. I, I, sometimes when I, when I have like a, a customer from one of, my, one of my stores out here call me, I always debate, should I answer it? This is Tommy. I don't ever do that. I always just go, Hello? So I'm like, eh, I'm just gonna do hello, whatever. Cause they have, cause I'm the salesman for all these stores. So I just go, hello, hello. Like, I don't know who they are. And they go, Hey, this is so-and-so. Then I'm all, Hey, you know, I'm like, um, but yeah, well, that, that's, that's crazy. Um, 16 man, or it's 15 is a quinceanera, right? 15 is quinceanera. Yes. Yeah. 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 I remember when I did the security forum, um, it's actually the only time I did security at, at them when I got in a fight. Because a bunch of kids outside got in a fight, I had to break it up. It was the craziest thing. I wasn't, <laughs> but beautiful dresses, music. You know, it's it's a party, man. It's yeah, awesome. It is. It is quite a party, yes. Which is why I need a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So retirement pays the bills. You know, this job is paying for the quinceanera. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, <laughs> that's cool that you're that you uh, you know I, I love it when we were talking to. I'm not sure if you know. Um, uh, Scott, um, at thin line brewing, but he just retired. Uh, what was that? Listen, less than a year ago, right? About a year ago. I think it's been over a year now. Yeah. And I, I love it when, when I hear all the people that I know 
retire out of the place where they spent their career, especially in law enforcement. All my friends are in law enforcement. I'm like, man, I appreciate what you do. I cannot wait for the day you get a different job because <laughs> every, every, every day I wake up, I'm like, is this the day, you know, is this going to, when I get the call, you know, that like, like when you yeah. got my text message. Yeah. Did you, I'm not sure if you heard about, cause you know how I handled that one, Wilson. Um, so Elva, we talked about, like, I think one of the first 12 episodes, I don't think you went that far back. Wilson worked at Loomis and he was doing a, a special uh, time down there in Oakland filling in for somebody. Wilson's kind of like a utility player. He knows how to do everything. So if another place needs him, they'll just send him there. So he's working in oh. Oakland, Oakland, lovely, lovely town. You, you West Virginia folks yeah. visit there sometime. <laughs> Check out Alameda <laughs> while you're there. And, yeah. and so I'm sitting there at the target um, on arena Boulevard. The one you remember that's where you were. Yes, dude. I remember <laughs> I'm sitting there at the target. Wilson calls me and I'm like, one, well, no, I think I sent you a text message first. Oh, that's right. That I called you. Yeah. But that's what I was going to say. Cause Wilson, we don't really, it's funny. We talk on here, but most of our stuff is through Marco Polo or text oh. messages, or if we really need to get a hold of, we'll, we'll call. And his text message says, I'm okay. I just want to let you know that I'm okay before you write it on the news. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I'm like, you don't text that dude. Yeah. So yeah. I called him and he's perfectly fine. This guy's like, call him this guy under pressure. He's like, I'm like, what happened? He's all, well, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm at a Wells Fargo bank over here on, uh, you know, Oakland. And I got robbed. These two guys with a, a, you know, AR 15s came up to me and they took all the money, had a gun right in my face and everything. I'm fine though. You know I mean? But I got to go. I'll call you back. FBI is here. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, then, and then I get off the phone. I start crying. Cause this is my, cause here I am. I'm no longer in that industry. I'm, I'm throwing frozen uh -huh. pizzas on shelves. And this guy's like, yeah, I'm fine, man. I'm good. And then I called him back. Then I called his wife and she's like, Oh, that's Josh. That's Josh. <laughs> you know, he's fine. He's fine. And then, then I talked to his dad about it and I'm like, why isn't everybody crying? Why am I the only one? And then um, even when we were talking about it on the show, um, he was he was fine. I'm sitting there like <gasps> wiping away tears. I'm like, you know, I felt like I almost lost my boy, you know? Um, but man, just smooth. That, I'm telling you, that guy. That just goes to show you how, you know, different calls affect people differently. They really do. Yeah. You know? And it, everybody deals with their their stress and their, you know, anxiety in different ways yeah seriously like yeah. wilson under pressure is like a teenager playing a video game and he keeps dying he goes come on like that <laughs> like like he does that and, then, and i hear him do it all the time or he goes come on stupid phone or something's not sending it's usually when he's before the show and when he's like trying to send me like a um a funny video or, or a news article that's when i see the frustration but not when he gets robbed oh no <laughs> but Oh my gosh. Legit. Oh, now would, would you, good. This is a question that I asked Scott last show. And I want to know what your answer is, would be is, would you recommend um, people looking into being a dispatcher for a career? It's a great, it's a great job. It really is. Um, but having, having gone through it from 30 years ago, it's changed so much. So, so much. I mean, when I first started, you know, you needed to know this much. And now it's like this much. So 
the younger people really are going to benefit because their brains, when you're younger, you can soak and hold all that information and your brain works that fast. And, and when I first started working in Folsom, um, one of the gals that I worked with for, for many years before she retired, um, she would tell me, oh, she goes, you're going to get there where, where your brain's going to start slowing down and you're just not that fast. And, you know, you think, oh, that's never going to happen to me, right? Well, probably in the last five years, that's what I started to feel. You know, I'm now training people that weren't even born when I started in law enforcement and, you know, their brains work like this, right? Yeah. And now my brain's going, and it's like, it's, you're not doing the job wrong, but in my eyes, I'm not getting that information as quick as I should to my officers. It's hard to, you know, and, and it's, I did, the, I wanted to do the Seinfeld. I, I went before my actual retirement age. Um, thankfully I could, but I wanted to go out on a good note to where, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know what this world's like now. And I knew it wasn't a, if it happens to my officers, it's a, when is it going to happen to my officers? And I didn't want to be there when that happened. Yeah. You know, I we're we're a small agency, very close knit, like a family. And I, I mean, we just had, I just had breakfast. My husband and I and, and Emily had breakfast with one of uh, retired cops that, you know, I still talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, they're, they're my brothers. And, you know, if something was to happen to one of them, whether it's on my watch or somebody else's, that would just, that would probably end me, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to go out on a high note and say that everybody that I dealt with was safe and went home to their families. And that's what I was able to do. And, I, and yeah. I'm happy for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that when I did retire, um, one of the officers that I worked with for many years um, who didn't work there when I, when I retired, but his wife did, she comes in on my last day and she goes, I have something for you. And I said, what? And she says, it's from my husband. And she gives me this little card. And I said, I know I can't read that right now. I said, because that's going to make me cry. Yeah. So I took it home and I read it and, and it was, it was, thank you for keeping me safe. I enjoyed working with you. And we had some good times and he was one of those officers that, that, you know, we call the shit magnet that always got into the, you know, the bad stuff, but Scott Brown. And it was funny because <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would tease him and, and uh, you know, he'd get into pursuit and his voice would be like, ah, you know, and then he learned, he'd come in and go, okay, how was I on that one? Did you want to hear it really? And so we play the tape back for him and, and, but he learned from it. And towards the end, he was like textbook, you know, he was really good, kept his voice calm and, where others are just, you know, you just don't know how you're going to react in, in under pressure like that. You know, I never thought of it like that. Is that that's a good learning tool for a police officer is, Hey, can I hear how I acted on that call? You know, cause, yeah. Yeah. cause that way they, they know, okay, I need to slow down my speech. I need to not uh-huh. yell. It's kind of like, you know, you hear people when they're um, ordering through a McDonald's, whatever they're you know, you don't have to yell. We could hear you just fine. Um, <laughs> It's kind of the weird reason why after I post these shows, I actually listen to them. So I listen to the show three times when we're recording, when I'm editing and after it posts, because there's times where things have made it through that I'm like, I don't like that. And I've had to go back through and edit it, such as Wilson saying naughty words, <laughs> you know, but, but, or, or I'm like, man, I really need to, and I've, I've gotten better, but I used to say like, um, and you know, and like a lot. Uh-huh. And, I still do. And if you don't hear them, that's because I edited them out. I have that privilege of doing that. But that, that, that's a good tool, though, is, is to actually evaluate how you are on a intense call. Because um, mm-hmm. 
there's when I because I have this I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure of watching like um, badge cams and uh, you know arrests and stuff and I, I hear some of these guys are just you know you know just super calm under pressure and I'm like man that guy sounds so did the second he gets out of the car it's go time big boy voice on you know using the big boy yep. street words yep. is what Scott called mm-hmm. it <laughs> you know and, and I'm like wow I'm all because it's showing you know his uh differentiates his um escalation of force at that point you know I'm like that's awesome yeah. uh that's that's yeah. a that's a good you know man if I was a cop I'd be like I've and I didn't do that I'd go right to the dispatcher hey can I listen to that call the other week or the other day and yeah. listen to it yeah, that's that's good stuff yeah. right there. And then and in and in Folsom we had the luxury to do that. You know, they we wasn't as busy as say like SAC PD. So they could come in and say, okay, you know, play the tape. And we had the ability to take that sound clip and email it to them. And, but okay. most of the time they would they would come in and they would say, just play it, let me hear it, you know. Yeah. And and we were honest. I mean, they were they were like our brothers and we would say, you know, that totally sucked. Or <laughs> or you know, you know, you did a good job. That was good, you know. So it's it is a helpful tool. And and I appreciate the ones that actually came in and, and, and did that so yeah. he was one of them and that uh yeah so. yeah like, like even in west virginia i've had to ask a few people there there's a uh a lot of most people out here talk clearly but then you'll get the the one the few people that there's no um everything is one long syllable just long word yes and i'm mm-hmm. like and i look at him and this one guy came up to me he's all hey man dirk is rather go right i'm like <laughs> what he's all right like, right around the corner you know i'm like uh i'm all i'm all, I'm all man i'm all and then i'm like quickly how can i put this on me i'm all sorry i can't hear out of my right ear slow it down a bit what do you say he goes turkey season's right around the corner you know i'm like oh yeah man totally i'm like oh my gosh get out of here <laughs> like because i can only pull that card one time so so I'm, what, what I'm hoping was I planted that seed in him to slow down his communication. That's what yes. that was my hope for him. But, you know, it happens a lot where you can't on the phone, you don't see a face, right? So there's yeah. times where you think that you're talking to a man and it's not a man, it's a woman or vice versa. You know, I, you, I'm sure you know the Golden Girls, right? Who the Golden oh, Girls are? Of course, so be like, Arthur. <laughs> exactly it's the b arthur voice yeah so you're thinking you're you're talking to you know a, a man but it's a woman and you know one of the things that we say you know ma'am sir and you know like i'm not a man i'm a sir oh i'm sorry that connection you know you try to throw those things in there so well and god forbid today's world I yeah. mean, you're screwed either way Exa- exactly. you, at least you guys don't ask have to ask for like pronouns yet right right you probably get to that before the call uh, okay first of all we don't want yeah. to offend you what are your pronouns okay uh, now what's your emergency you know uh, yeah no no thank you <laughs> i would just say i would just be like hey uh you <laughs> or something yeah, right? i don't know yeah. that, that would offend uh, them too yeah i'm yeah. not a you yeah. i'm a w i got i got kind of a question but also a funny story so I'll, I'll ask my question first and then I'll tell my story. Do you, are you like, if, if you were um, doing your dispatch thing and there was multiple agencies involved in there, like trying to find somebody, right. Are you uh-huh. sitting back there, like rooting for your guys <laughs> to be the one to find them? And the reason why I ask this is because when I worked for state parks, I worked at, at Folsom Lake as a ranger 
and we'd always have uh, a radio that had your guys's uh, traffic on it. So we'd be uh-huh. sitting there in the car and we'd hear a call come out. And I heard one that said, hey, there's a report of a drunk driver leaving. I think it was the, the Mexican food place on uh, Sutter Street. And I was like, okay. oh, I'm right down on Greenback. So I turn around and I go look and I'm like, oh, there's the car. So I, I pull him over and the guy was super hammered. And uh, I, I arrested him. And when I got back in the car, I, I told our dispatch, I was like, hey, can you uh, make sure you let Folsom know we got their drunk driver? And <laughs> she, she was all excited. Our dispatch was, she's like, yes. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there waiting like two minutes later, your guys' dispatch comes on and goes, well, State Parks got our drunk driver or something like that. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, I mean, you know what? I'm just... For myself, I'm just happy that they that they're caught. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if if it's one of those where somebody's following them and now they're here, now they're there. You know, it's like you want to make sure you've got somebody in the area. But there's been times where it's like, okay, I literally don't have anybody to send you. You know, yeah. Or or they get to like a county area and I can send them to CHP. But um, I'm just happy as long as as long as they're caught. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. And when yeah. it's like. Um, the was it the Danny Oliver's what you guys were talking about the last right yeah yes yeah um I remember that call I I worked part of that call and I was sitting at home and uh getting ready to come in for swing shift and I'm watching the news and I see the, the people on the news and it was somebody from the sheriff's department and I saw the way they reacted and I said all right this is not good so I called in you want me to come in early absolutely and uh, I was there for um, probably the, the rest of the rest of it. Um, but it's, you know, when those kinds of incidents happens, it's all hands on deck. I saw, you know, our SWAT team goes and they kind of, you know, help each other out. And at, at that point, it's, you know, we're all one. Right. And we're all helping each other. And and that's that's what we did. So, yeah, it's kind of what I was mentioning on that show, too, like where police will always make fun of firefighters, you know, cause they don't really do anything to just work out all day, all day long and make food <laughs> and make food Yes, um, yeah. and TikToks and all that, but whatever, you know? And so, um, but, but in reality, it's, it's all in, it's all in good fun. Cause you know, like when I worked at El Dorado, I, uh, every time, uh, it, we would have, CHP would bring in an inmate. They'd call on at the gate, uh, CHP with two. I'm like, Oh, great got to deal with chp not oh great i got to deal with two as i got to deal with the chp you know and so you know that's how it was and they walk in you know looking all good you know they got their little haircut you know and all good little pants going and i'm sitting there looking like a slob or whatever but you know we're all the same team but we always made fun of each other it's all in good fun yeah um absolutely yeah so i pulled up uh i, I think this is uh this is a uh, what was it september 2nd of 21 is that around the time you retired uh yeah i think my last official day was august 31st or 30th okay something like that yeah yeah because i I, i've seen a picture from gold country media here um yes they 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 call me eva and not elva yeah well i think they might have updated it they might have updated actually oh okay Okay. oh no they're there there it is i see it nope it's still there (laughs) Um, and it's the funny the funny thing about that before you go into that is there's a dispatcher that I work with and everybody always used to get us confused because we had an Eva and an Elva. And so oh. that was kind of like my last final chuckle. It's like, they're still calling me Eva. 
<laughs> they give you like a, a do not enter um, sash, you know, with your little like a pageant that you wore. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that looks yes. like fun. Um, so it was it was a great last day. It really was. Yeah, most when you're retiring, I can imagine it's it's good. It's bittersweet, you know, because you know it's always an emotional day. I could imagine, but um, you know, this place like when I left, <laughs> I, I I posted this on my Facebook. I think I think John might have commented on it when I was leaving Frito uh, for the final mm-hmm. time because we moved to a different distribution center that a nice mm-hmm. gate that opened up. And as I was leaving, I was videotaping. I was just like freedom, freedom, <laughs> like that because nightmare. But I mean, hey. If you still want to buy chips, that's fine. I'm not talking crap. <laughs> I just didn't feel like working 14 hours a day. Um, so you have um, now. I I pulled it up here. You wanted to talk about Project Lifesaver, and I pulled yes. it up on here. Um, I think it'd be better if you explained it because there is another Project Lifesaver that I I was looking at. I'm like, I don't think this is it, but this is one through Folsom Police Foundation. Correct. And that's the one that's, that's the one. Yeah. So Project Lifesaver International um, is based out of Chesapeake, Virginia, uh, started over 20 years ago and uh, slowly coming more towards, you know, the California and the West, the West coast. So it is a radio frequency tracking device for people with cognitive disabilities, like Alzheimer's, dementia, Down syndrome, autism, and the client would wear a tracking bracelet either on their wrist or ankle, and that emits a specific radio frequency. Each one is different. So when they go missing, law enforcement can then track them using specialized radio frequency equipment. So all that's required is, you know, 911 call, my son or daughter or loved one is missing. We go out with the equipment. It saves so much time. I mean, when, when we have a call of an elderly person or somebody missing, usually what happens is we get the call anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour later, because what's the first thing you're going to do? You panic, you start looking before you call, you're checking all over, you're making phone calls. Next thing you know, 30 to 45 minutes has gone by. Oh, I need to call 911. Well, we've lost a lot of time there, a lot of valuable time. So this helps cut that down dramatically. Um, So Citrus Heights Police had this program in 2015 and invited us to come and listen, us being Folsom. And myself and a couple other dispatchers went to listen. I said, you know what? I want to bring this to Folsom. At the time, um, I had a family member who was dealing with Alzheimer's. And I thought, you know, this is a good way for me to get back. Was able to um, get our command staff to to buy off on it. It's it's fairly inexpensive to start. And... um, we were able to bring that to Folsom. So um, the, what happened with that is Project Lifesaver International asked me maybe two years after I brought it to Folsom and got it running, would you like to help us train? So I actually became a national trainer for the West Coast for Project Lifesaver International. So I have actually gone to, I've trained Colorado Sheriff, their search and rescue team. I've trained Amador County, uh, Lodi PD, Lincoln PD, um, and it's coming soon to hopefully all of the agencies within Placer County. I'm very excited for that. So um, it's a two-day course where I train them. I train the officers, um, about seven officers they pick, uh, about seven officers, and I train them how to use the equipment 
And then from there, they train the rest of their um, department on, on the equipment. That's cool. And then they're able to, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, um, a lot of people say archaic because, oh, well, what about GPS and what about this? But if you were looking for somebody, I, I tell this story um, about an agency who was looking for a little boy who was lost wearing um, a Project Lifesaver bracelet. And they're along a, a freeway corridor and they kept getting a, a signal that they were near. They're like, well, we're along the freeway corridor. You know, have those down walls along the freeway, right? Yeah, by Greenback area. The, yeah, so he's pointing, he's pointing the, um, it's called a receiver. He's pointing the receiver at the wall and he's like, I'm getting, I'm getting a signal on the wall. Well, he had the sense to climb the wall. And what happened was the kid had somehow climbed the wall and went inside it. It was a double sound wall. Oh, he was wow. Stuck inside the sound wall. So with GPS, a lot of times, if you're in a parking structure, you're not going to get that. Or if you're inside a mall, you're not going to get that. But this is, you know, old equipment, but it, it, it works. And that's what I like about it. That, that that's definitely cool um mm-hmm. is that through projectlifesaver.org is that the website yes okay that is the website yep and it says right here on the front page that as of right as of i believe when this last was last updated 3885 people have been rescued so that's a correct pretty yeah. good number they, they update they update that i think i don't know how often but quite frequently because each agency Every time they have a call where someone was successfully rescued, they have to submit their stats to Project Lifesaver International, and that's how they, they update their stats. So they're all over um, the U.S., including Alaska and Hawaii, and they're also in Canada as well. Nice. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. And again, that's projectlifesaver.org. And um, for our listeners, if you want to donate, there's a donate section. You could donate as little as $6. Um, up to 5,000, but $6 and that could provide a battery and a band for a transmitter to help protect someone for one month. So it's $6 to help protect yep. someone for one month. So that's, uh, that's amazing. That's awesome. I did, I've never even heard of this until you brought it up. Um, yeah. The beauty, the beauty of this program is let's say um, there's a client in Folsom that has Project Lifesaver. And they're going to go on vacation and they're going to somewhere in Florida. They can go on that website and see where they're located. And if there's a police department where they're vacationing that has Project Lifesaver missing, it's the same procedure. You call 911, you say my child missing, you give them his frequency number and they can go out and it's the same universal equipment to be able to track him. Nice. So that's really peace of mind for somebody who has, you know, somebody that, that may elope from them. Yeah. That's good stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Again, and again, that's projectlifesaver.org. I know our, our connection was getting a little messy there for a split second. So oh. um, it's probably me, the West Virginia internet. It is you because it was clear for me. So oh, Okay. Probably, <laughs> probably have, yeah, sorry, having you do the recordings and send them to me then, huh? <laughs> We're, I, I have a like a little elf out there turning something to keep the internet going. Um, but... Elva, thank you for coming on. Uh, I know, like I said, Wilson and I, we've been wanting to talk to someone like you for for quite a while. And one of my New Year's resolutions this year was uh, to talk to more people that I had on that list uh, and and actually get the courage to interview some people. 
because it's very easy for me to talk to my best friend, you know, but, you know, because I'm not a, the best interviewer, but, you know, it's like, you know, I want people to understand the stories because we're very passionate about law enforcement because Wilson and I have a history with it. And we're kind of like, we want to shed the light on the good in it and the people that are in it as well. And I guess in any form, you know, firefighting, EMTs, all the above and everything. So, um, but we, we also thank you for your service you did to the agencies as well. That's, that's kind of a big accomplishment, you know, for serving both those communities for so long. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for coming on. We've been, we've been wanting to get a dispatcher on for probably since the beginning, I think is when we made that list and yeah, finally happened. That list that is no longer because it's in the old studio since someone decided to move to West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> someone was smart enough to leave California, shall I say. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that's, that's, that's the true story right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sticking with that one. Um, there you go. But yeah. Um, thanks again. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have you back on sometime. You know, maybe if uh, pick your brain on, on, a, on a call that we heard or because we had a, uh, we had a missing person thing we did. Uh, I think it was our conspiracies episode we did where there's this 911 call from Texas. Oh, yeah. And it was very, very strange and eerie. I'm all, oh, I wonder what she would think of this. But I mean, they've had like real like people that are like listening in on like, um, that's like their job is to listen in on like audio engineers. And they couldn't make out what this guy was saying because he was saying real words, but they were like, it wasn't making any sense. I'm like, so we will have you back on during one of those. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. So we appreciate having you on here. You're welcome. It was fun. All right. All right. Thanks. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. We want to thank our sponsors, MSR Arms. Make sure you check them out at msrarms.com. While you're there, use offer code WTH5 at checkout for 5% off your entire purchase. If you have any questions on there, you know, let them know, or you could contact them and let them know that, you know, Wilson and Tommy sent you. He'd be like, oh, those are my boys. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. Ryan, happy birthday. Happy I think birthday. It was, I think it was your birthday a couple of days ago or whatever. Sexy son of a biscuit, you. Um, also go to Thin Line Brewing. Um, they're awesome. Got my got my new shirt in, wearing it. People are looking at it. They're like, ooh, I like it. I'm like, ladies, ladies and fellas, I'm married. Um, they got some good beers and like I said, awesome swag. But go to thinlinebrewing.com. Check that all out. Um, and I think they might be starting up trivia again pretty soon. Isn't don't they usually do it start in spring and summer? Probably. We'll see. I, I don't, I don't know. think they posted about it, but I think that I think they do it during the summer. Don't quote me on that. But you know what? They might. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon, Google Play, pretty much anywhere where you listen to podcasts, we are there. We are on socialist media at Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Untapped. Untapped is where um, Wilson sends me the cool pictures of his beers that he takes after the show and remembers to send me every time. Definitely, every time. Um, if you want to follow me, um, I'm on uh, Truth Social at Bald Tommy. Wilson hasn't had the luxury of getting on there yet, um, but boy, is it a doozy. Um, I, you know, it's it's such a secret, you know, society. I can't even talk about it. I, I've, I've said too much as it is. It's like the um, Masons. Yeah, I basically feel like an honorary Mason for being part of True Social. Uh, you can contact us um, by phone or text at 916-259-3030 or at the real WTHO at gmail.com. So, Wilson. 
And uh, whoever's in Missouri, send us a, a message. Yeah, if you're listening to Missouri. Yeah, yeah. downloading the crap out of the show over there. <laughs> yeah, someone downloaded a lot, Missouri. We want to. We want to hear from you. And it's more than one person because the, there's more downloads in the last two weeks than episodes that we have. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know what? We might even have something special for you. We'll just need proof that you live in Missouri. We're not yeah. just going to have some rando say, oh, I'm from Missouri. I'm like, mom, you're, you're, you're not getting a prize. I told you. <laughs> you're in Oklahoma. You know, you need to go outside, take a picture of a newspaper in front of your house. And it has to have the Missouri flag in it. So, we're on to you. So, anyways, that's all I got, dude. That's wrong. What? Oh, is this the end? Yeah. Oh, I'm so confused right now. We did the middle, and then we did the beginning, now we're at the end? Yeah. This is the end? Is there a giant monster that's going to go? What? Oh, to move the movie? <laughs> yeah, knocking buildings down with its... Anyways, uh... Yeah. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Later, dudes. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I will see you there, or I will see you on another time. I'll be back. Roach? Well, we're going, we don't need Roach. I'll catch you on the flip side. You got it, Jobin. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Latest on the men, Jay. Thank you, everybody, the fan. Did that go the way you thought it was going to go? Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. I'm Joe Biden, and I can't remember this message. Stop it!